0: Chapter 16. Can we turn these lights on for me to help me out a bit? Thank you. Acts 16. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman, So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. we remained in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the, woman who had, to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. Immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them and took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visit Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. May the Lord give us understanding in this portion of scripture that we read, that we'll be preaching through. May God stir your heart to obedience to him, to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and obedience to his word. Let's pray. After prayer, we have a choir come for special music and then the preaching of God's word. We thank you, Father. For your plan that included us, your plan for us to be saved, you cause us to hear your word. You cause your Holy Spirit to give understanding to us, to open our eyes, to give us life, spiritual life, to cause us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. To give us the desire regularly to come to this place of worship, to serve you, to honor you to live before you and before each other a faith in Jesus Christ, showing that Jesus is our greatest hope, our only hope, and we trust in him. I pray, Lord, as we gather here today, that you might bless the gathering of your people here and everywhere that they gather on the face of this world. We pray, Lord, that the power of your Holy Spirit will be present with us to understand your truth. Be present with us to allow and to cause us to live faithful through the challenges and storms that we face and to be a witness of the life, the death, the resurrection, the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Remembering that he will one day return as he promised. He will judge this world in sin. He will receive his own to himself. And establish his righteous kingdom. We look forward to that. Help us to be faithful serving you until that time comes. Be with those who are enduring different types of trials and struggles. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who have health issues. We pray for those for safety on the job. We pray for just enduring through the challenges that you give us. Give us wisdom to raise our children. Give us wisdom and peace to, to, uh, to have households and families and husband and wives to, to come together and to serve you, to submit to you and to submit to one another. We pray for peace in our home. We pray for the gospel to have root in our children, to bring them to salvation. We pray, Lord, that we might be a mighty witness for Christ right here at 3765 North 35th Street in Milwaukee. You will cause us to have an impact on the lives of those we come in contact with, whether it's at the grocery store, in, 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 in the street, in our neighborhood, at school, at work, wherever and everywhere we go, Lord, that we might be mindful of who we are and others might see Christ in us and you be glorified and magnified. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. That is what the early church, the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem, believers there, that's what their mission was, that Jesus had given them before he left this world. And that is transferred transferred to us, given to us as well, to continue that witness. In Acts chapter 16 today, we see them carrying that out. And as we carry out this mission that we have to be witnesses, we have to ask, we should be asking a question, how does, how do I fit into that purpose, into that plan? What does God specifically have for me to do? Now, you ask that question and you ask me, there's, you know, there is 60, 70, 80-some people here and even more listening to this message over the internet. So how can I say something that applies to each and every one of them or specifically? My answer to that is yes. In other words, you are going to be instructed by God in the way that he wants you to go as you continue to listen To his word. Yes, he will give specific direction to you. Let's see how he does that as we look through this chapter. The map is in front of us and we're going to reference to that just in general so that we get the gist of of what's being said here in this chapter. And then we want to see how that applies to us in our lives. So I don't want you to get confused and crossed up in the the names of the cities and the places. But I do want you to get a general sense for where they are so you can see how God leads and directs. This first part of this section will help us understand God's specific direction in our lives. Let's start, though, as it says that Paul is... um, he meets and interacts with this young man named Timothy. It says there was a disciple there. As Paul came to Derby and to Lystra, there was a disciple there. I think I'm going to learn how to work this. Supposed to have a laser pointer on here, right? Either I'm not pointing it or it's not working. All right. There was a young man. It said they they refer to him as a disciple. Means he was a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. He had come to faith in Christ. He is there at Derby and Lystra as they engage in their mission. And so it tells us a little bit about his background. It says that, here we go, now it's working. All right. So let's see where Derby and Lystra are. Here we see Lystra here and Derby here. So Paul is coming from his church in Antioch here, and I can show you over here as well. His church in Antioch here, and he's coming to Derby and to Lystra here. And that's where he encounters this young man. He has a believing mother who's a Jew, and he has a father who's not a believer. He's a Gentile. He's a Greek, it says here. But he was well spoken of, Timothy was, by the believers at Lystra and Iconium. Now, you remember what happened in Lystra and in Iconium. And so here is a young man who I think comes out of the seed of turmoil and persecution and comes to faith in Christ. In other words, he probably is a witness to what Paul did and what Paul went through. You remember, it was there at Leicester that Paul was stoned and left for dead. And this man is a witness to that or at least the people in that area are and he comes eventually comes to faith as a result of that. And now as Paul travels to check on these churches, he encounters this Timothy and he wants to take Timothy along with him as he ministers in other places. Think about that with Paul himself. Paul himself was a witness to Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Stephen whose great faith Paul saw, and when they came to stone Stephen, Paul was there as a witness there. And then in the very next chapters, we see Paul coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that the seed of suffering brings the fruit of, of disciples or believers in Christ. And so God does not allow our suffering to go to waste. God does not allow what we endure for his sake to go the waste. Instead, what he does is he brings, he uses that as a seed to sprout other believers. So we can be thankful for that as we see the life of Timothy uh, there and Paul's work with him. The other thing I want to go through here is is—it's actually starting in verse 6 through 10. It's called the Macedonian call. But what I want you to see is how God leads his people and gives specific instruction for his ministry, even in the individuals. Now, if you just go back with me a little bit to chapter 15 and you remember that it was Paul and Barnabas who were a team and then they had this conflict and they decided to separate and 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 go separate ways so Paul took Silas and Barnabas took John Mark and Paul and Silas went in on this on this mission that we're reading about today and uh, uh, um, we'll see Barnabas and John Mark as as God had given them something else to do all right, so now we get to verse 6. It says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Phrygia here, and Galatia. So here's Galatia, here's Phrygia. They went through this area, but God said, No. I don't want you going through. I don't want you stopping there. I've got something else for you to do. And in fact, it says quite strongly, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Here's all of this is Asia. They're going through. But he says, no, no, that's not where I want you to stop there. That's not where I want you to go. I ask the question, why, why not? Right? We, we always ask that of God. Why? This is a good area. There's unsaved people in here, right? They need to hear the gospel. Is God forbidding the gospel to go out to this area? No. He's forbidding these, this team from going there. In other words, he has a specific area of ministry at this time for this team, and it's not here. So he's got, he's got other people that's going to come here. In fact, we, we see Timothy already is a believer as a result of what Paul did earlier in this area. But he's saying the job I have for you right now is somewhere else. Now, I asked you the question, and you need to ask your question, how am I going to know what God's will is? How am I going to know the specifics of what he wants me to do and where he wants me to go? You're not until and unless you listen specifically to God. You need to do God's will, do his purpose, and expect him to lead and guide you. Let me show you how he leads and how he guides you. He says, verse 7, when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. All right, here they are. Here's Mysia right here. Let me show you on this side. Mysia. So they're trying to come through here to Phrygia and Galatia. God says, no, not in Asia. So they come up to Mysia, and and what happens? Verse 7, when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. We get a lot of no's here. God says, no, don't go there. They want to go into this region here. He says, no, don't go there. What's happening is, is God's people have been given a purpose and a message, a mission to do. We see that early in Acts chapter 13. We see it in Acts chapter one, first of all. When Jesus says, you're going to be witnesses to me all over. We see it in Acts chapter 13, where in the church of Antioch, God says, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for this work that I've called them. And they went on that work. Now they came back to Antioch. And now they're being sent out again. And as they go, God says, no, not there. They go a little further. God says, no, not there. When God says no, what do you do? Do you just stop and say, okay, I guess God don't want me to do nothing? He wants me to just sit on my butt and do absolutely nothing. No, he's saying, keep moving, is what he's saying. What he's saying to them, don't stop here, keep moving. Keep going on. I have a task for you in a specific place, for you specifically at a specific time, but I want you to keep moving and I'll show you more. Keep moving. And I'll show you more. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Y'all hear what God is saying? He's saying don't stop. Don't get stuck. Don't stop working. Don't stop doing His, his will. Keep moving. Keep asking him for direction. You know, don't put a time limit on God. And don't put a place... He is Lord. He gives direction. He says, not now, not you in Phrygia or Galatia. Not you, not now in Asia. Not you, not now in Bithynia or Pontus. Not you, not now anywhere here. Keep moving. And I'll tell you where. And I'll tell you when. But you're going to hear it from me. It's amazing we see, it says, having been, verse 6, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Then we see it in verse 7. The spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Verse 8, look at the first couple words. So, so, (laughs) in the meantime, passing by Mysia, so passing by. In other words, they continued this progress and continue. they knew that God was directing them. He was just saying, don't stop here. Not here. Not now. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Troas is right here. Alright? The word Troas is right here. it's this city right here so they had to travel all the way through what's called Asia here we call it Asia Asia Minor and then to Troas they're still not where God was finally directing them but it says here in verse 9 and a vision appeared to Paul in the night A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, where's Macedonia? Here's Troas. This you see the word Macedonia. So this whole area is Macedonia here and they're here across the sea from it in Troas. So this whole area is Macedonia and they're here in Troas across the sea. So Paul has this vision of a man on a far shore saying, don't stop. Keep going. Come on over to Macedonia to us and to help us. Now, that's all we're told about this vision. A man that tells Paul to come over to Macedonia. Before we analyze this a little further, I want you to see something here in who uh, is a part of Paul's team. There is a shift in the narrative in this section that's important. What I mean by shift in the narrative, you know what a narrator is in the story. He's the guy in the background. You hear his voice. It's a voiceover, right? He's telling you what's going on. Let's listen to this voice in this passage as we go back to Acts chapter 16, verse 1. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there. So the narrative is talking about what Paul did, right? Look at verse 4. It says, as they went on their way through the cities. Who is they? Paul and his team, right? This would have been Paul and Silas and some others as a part of his team. So the narrator is saying they. This is who he's identifying, who's, who's going about on this task. Look at verse 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. In other words, the narrator is not part of this group. But he's telling you what the group did, Right? You follow me, right? It's it's not complicated. I just want you to follow along with what's going on. They, he says in verse 6, and then again in verse 7, it says, and when they had come to Mysia, and then in verse 8, it says, so passing by, they went down to Troas. And then the days stopped. Okay, so in Troas, you have Paul and his group That have come through this area and now they stop here in Troas and let's see how the narrator continues here. We're in Acts chapter 16. Did I read verse 10? When Paul has seen the vision. Immediately. We. Sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had caught us to preach the gospel to them. See the shift? It's a little subtle shift, but there's something changes in Paul's team. The narrator, and we know who the narrator, who's writing the book of Acts, is is Luke himself. So, So Luke is saying, hey, this is what happened to Paul and his team. Then when he got to Troas, there's a little shift. In other words, he's saying, I joined the team. I joined the team at Troas, and then now we and us It's not them and they, it's we and us. Can can I give you a little message in that? I I listen to how our new members talk here at Sweet Communion. It's interesting. When they first come in, they talk about what y'all doing. Right? What does Sweet Communion do? And then later on, I'm going to pick on Chris a little bit because he's one of our newest and so later on now, Chris don't talk about what y'all do. And he talk about, are we going to meet for practice on Saturday? You see, it's a we kind of a thing. And when you get to that we narrative, now you know that they're a part of the group. <laughs> now they see themselves not as disconnected, but as a very part of the group. Now here, the we and the they is just a matter of location. It's that 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 Luke had joined the team here in in this location at Troas. And so the team had traveled and followed. And when they got to this point, now Luke joins them. And so it says you can see that. When Paul, verse 10, when Paul has seen the vision, so the vision came to Paul, not to the rest of the team. It just came to Paul immediately. We sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us. To preach the gospel to them. Can I interject a little bit here too? Oh, this is good. See, when God shows your purpose, when God points out to you your direction, it does have something to do with your leader. Now, I'm not trying to be bold and, 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 and make a statement. here. I'm simply just saying how God leads his people. He had given to a mission to Paul and to his team, and he had brought them along. He said, no, don't stop on there. go. Don't go to the right. Now, don't go to the left. Keep on moving and keep on going. I got somebody else who's joining your team. And when you get down to Troas, now there's another part of that team. And he says, now, now you're set. And notice how this team gets its direction. Luke, Luke, Luke can say, hey, I'm the main man here. I'm here so we can go on now. But no, he says, we're listening to what God has told Paul. And the vision comes to Paul. There's a man in Macedonia who said, Come on over here. And it's Paul, from what I see from scripture, Paul is the only one that gets this. And it says, We assume, the whole team assume now God has spoken and was given direction and, in fact, given it through one man. Now, you might be a little afraid of that because you're like, Hey, what did this guy take us off course? Listen. You can follow the Lord and trust that the Lord will direct His people. He does that. God is not going to lead you astray. That's true, a man could be good but god is directing his people stay humble stay open listen to what god says that's why i get aggravated when when, when i say things and when our leadership team is talking to people say look you've been given the gift of music god wants you to be a part of this well, i don't see god leading me in that direction he just did He just did. He just showed you the leadership that he brought you into and set you in a direction and you're saying, God ain't spoke. How ridiculous can we be to refuse the word of God when God has put people around us to lead us and guide us and we're saying, God ain't spoke. How does God lead and direct his people? Several ways. He keeps them moving. Walking in obedience to him, listening to him, he says, yes, He says no. He says, "Don't go left." He just says, "Don't go right." In other words, He opens doors and he closes doors. And he speaks to whoever through ever he wants to. But somehow, in his own way, he directs specifically his people for the task that he has. God is glorious. God does exactly what he intends to do. I take no credit for it. If I did, he'd strike me down. I take no credit for it. He does it, but he does it through means and through his people. Be in tune. Listen to what God is saying. Find direction as you connect with God's people, with God's purpose and his plan, and he'll speak. So Luke is saying here, I've joined the team. He's saying, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called. In other words, this this made sense to us. That the brother Paul was looking for direction, God gave him some direction, and it made sense, and we followed him. And we concluded, this is how God is directing. So what they do? I like this, verse 11. It's a key word in this whole chapter. It's the word "so, isn't it? So setting <laughs> sail from Troas." In other words, we didn't just stay in Troas. Where is Troy? There we go. We came all this way. We didn't just stop. God continued direction. He said, "No, don't go here. don't go here. Don't go here, don't go here. Don't stay here. Hey, let pay attention. This man is telling you something. We set sail. We got out of town, out of Troas, and we kept going. Now, where did they go? We made direct voyage over to Samothras and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. So you can see, here it is, Samothras here, Neapolis here, and then Philippi is right there. I know the... The, the, the writing is small, but if you have a study Bible, you can probably look at that in yours. Let me show you the same thing here. Here they are in Troas, Samothrace here, uh, Neapolis here, and then here's Philippi. It's the dot there, but the word Philippi there. All right. So a little geography lesson, but the purpose of the geography lesson is to see how God is progressing and leading and guiding, directing this ministry where he wants it to go. Now, why Philippi? Well, I think we get a hint here, first of all. It says in verse 12, from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. In other words, it's the main location where people get together and meet, and particularly this people from Macedonia. I see God is very strategic in what he does. And I believe God strategically has placed Sweet Communion here in the city of Milwaukee for the purpose of his word going out. He has strategically put you here to add the flavor to Sweet Communion specifically for his word going out. If you trust in God, you got to know that not only is he able and capable of doing that, that's just what he does. That's exactly what he does. In other words, this is not my configuration or my imagination of putting this together. This is all God's doing. I couldn't possibly have structured and fashioned and custom this the way that it is right. Look around you who's here. I didn't make that possible. You didn't make that possible. God orchestrated that so it will be what it is for the purpose that he has. And he will send us out to accomplish his task. He sent them to a leading city significant where they could have plenty of impact. Now, i just got to be honest. A a lot of our schools and a lot of our Bible schools and churches, well, recently they shift, but I know when I was in seminary, I was just frustrated by this idea that we should start churches where it's easy to start churches at. That's not exactly what Paul did. He went to the leading city where the majority of people were, and there he ministered. And let me, let me take that back. It's not Paul's plan that he's following. If you get the idea, the Holy Spirit is directing and leading and putting people exactly where he wants them. So I'm sure along the way, there's other believers. Oh, thank you. <laughs> there's other believers that are being placed in different areas, but the strategy is from God. He's directing his specific teams exactly where he wants them. In other words, there's other churches in this city, and they're located where they are, and God has directed that. He's directed us here, and he's connected us where he has for his purpose. Let's follow what God would have us to do. There in Philippi, what did they do? Look at verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. It was Paul's practice. We had stated this several times. It was Paul's practice coming to a city. Where did he go? He would normally go to the synagogue where people met. But now he's in the Gentile region. And where does he go? He goes still. There's Jews gathered there. He, he goes where people would worship. And he goes and he ministers to them there. He looks for people that he can come. So he's very strategic in in, in what he does. And, And he does go there. And God opens the door to this one woman. And it says there, her name was Lydia. Verse 14, one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention. <laughs> I love that. To pay attention to what, what was said by Paul. So she listened to the word. She received the word. And she was, she was baptized, her and her household. So in other words, she was influential in all of her household in hearing the word. And God used that. And then she wanted to be a host to Paul saying look if if you count me faithful then then use my house where where you can come and settle in and branch out from there and go wherever you want to go <laughs> smiling thinking of Heidi and and thinking about her hosting that Thursday night Bible study for years now And and that that's the spirit that that Lydia had here is to say hey I open up my home to this ministry team so that God's word can go out can you see how God is using different individuals and and using all this together to to make an impact from his word where do you fit in Are you even trying to find where you fit in? You should be. You should know that God saved you for a purpose and He has a purpose and a plan for you right where you are here. Find out what it is and get busy. Amen. 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 Hey, I'm glad to hear that. Verse 16. As we were going to the place of prayer. In other words, Paul said, hey, this is the thing that we did. This is how we ministered to others. As we were going out to where people would come together, we wanted to have an impact. So that's what we did. As we were going, we met this slave girl who had a spirit of divination. She brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. So they just happened to come across this young woman." girl she's called she's mentioned as a slave girl and her owners and that's what it says owners i know that that sticks in our crowd we don't like hearing that but i like what the bible does it speaks to people living where they are that's that was the culture that they lived in and that's what they experienced the gospel does not condone that in any way but what it does is speaks to it this girl was being used by people to, 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 to get money, to make money. And they had no principles. They didn't care if it was the devil working in her, if it was drugs. They didn't care what it was, as long as they could make money. And that's what they did. That's what we could expect the world to do. It's not the making of money that's evil. It's the purpose and and, and what you do and what you expend. At whose expense? They didn't care a bit about this girl. In fact, they didn't get mad until she got saved. (laughs) Or at least the demon was released from her and she no longer could do what she did. Paul is annoyed by... The evil spirit saying good things. Did you notice that? What does this girl cry out in verse 17? She cries out, these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Sounds good. Sounds right. People wonder why I don't like distractions in church. And I'm not very patient with it at all. It seems harmless. The, self, the, the devil is working in distractions. This girl was saying things that were obvious and true. But it was greatly annoying, it says to Paul. Look, Paul did not need anybody verifying or in him to give him props. Now, if you want to amen what I said, that, that's fine. But I don't live and die off of it. It's true whether you going to say amen or not. <laughs> it's true whether it touches you or not. It's God's word. But if it trusts you, it's good to know that. It's good to see that. Not against that at all. But he's saying there's something annoying about this breakup, this this distraction while the word was going out. She kept on doing this. And after a period of time, look, look at verse 13, excuse me, verse 18, and this she kept doing for many days. Paul got tired of it. He realized the source of it. And what's amazing here is that satanic spirit is the source of something that sounds good. It's even true. It's the way he does it and why he does it. It is done to distract and to annoy. Even if it's true, it's done for that purpose. And Paul puts a stop to it. The way he puts a stop to it is he commands the evil spirit within this girl to dismiss himself and come out of there. Now, he doesn't have the power to do that. By what power does he do that? It says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And what happened? It came out that very hour. In other words, it's Christ's authority that brought this on, not the power of Paul. It's the authority that Christ has, and he did this so that his word would go out without distraction. Now, having done this, it greatly annoyed the owners because this was their business. This is how they made money. And when this happened, look, when you mess up somebody's money, right, you're going to have a fight. What that says is what they care about most, when you impact what they care about most, you have disturbed them. The evil spirit impacted what Paul cared about, and that's God's word going out without a hindrance. And God stepped in and did something about it. Well, the evil spirit cared about... His control over people. These these business owners, these slave owners cared about their control and the money they made by this. By the way, you recognize it uses owners in plural. So how can one little girl have so many people making money off of her? But somehow that seemed to be the case. When the money dried up, she no longer used the evil spirit to foretell of the future they got mad and it says these men are Jews they are disturbing our city the impact of the gospel often does that it causes a disturbance it upsets some things why Milwaukee really doesn't want the gospel because it's going to upset a lot of things A lot of things that seem to be in place and seem to go just fine will be disturbed by the gospel. You know that because when you got saved, a lot of things in your life disturbed. Things that you enjoyed before, you can't enjoy anymore. Things that you used to do and had no problems doing, you no longer have no problem doing it. It bothers you. Things are upset. When I got saved, I lost a whole lot of friends. I wrote a letter trying to explain to them why I was walking with the Lord. And they said, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, it ain't cool. We don't like you anymore. We ain't hanging out with you anymore. It's in essence, what they said. But the gospel is going to disturb. It's going to change lives. And that's why some people don't want it. They like the raggedy life that they're living and don't want it upset. They don't want it changed. The gospel will change it. Some people want the gospel but don't want to change. But it don't work that way. When the gospel comes in, it does a transformation. It has to by its very nature. You can't put soap on dirt and expect it not to clean. It's going to wash. It's going to cleanse. That's what the gospel does. And so we see that Paul and Silas come under attack, and we're going to get to that and conclude this in our next week. And I know this is one chapter. It would be good to put it all together, but for time restraints, I won't be able to do that. But can you focus a little bit on the first part of what we talked about, God and his direction in your life? You've asked God to show you. You've asked God to open your eyes. You've asked God to direct you, to point you in the right direction. I want to tell you he has, and he does. And I'm asking you, are you listening to him? Are you following him? Are you willing to give up your agenda and immediately do what he has called you to do? See, Paul and his team had a a thought for what God was doing, but they were willing to say, God, we're just going to start moving, and you tell us left, right, or straight ahead, or stop. Are you willing to do that? Saying, God, I will move exactly where you tell me to move, and when you tell me to move, and where you tell me to move. In other words, Lord, you are just that. You are Lord, and I will follow you. I trust you to have the power to communicate to me where you want me to be. And I trust you that where you want me to go is good. Not easy, but good. Are you there? Are you there? God directs. God leads. Now there's a process that he uses so that we don't get puffed up with pride in it. (laughs) And we use this term all the time. It's a day-by-day process. He'll show you the general nature of what he wants you to do, but he gives you the specifics as you check in with him. God is a check-in God. He's like, okay, get to that point, check in with me. Well, I got to check in with you. Just tell me where to go, and I'll go. No, check in with me. I'm going to direct you day by day. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray like this. Give us this day our daily bread. He he didn't tell them to pray. Lord, give us a month's stash, and we ain't got to call you every day. He said, no, I like the check-in policy. I like the check-in policy. I want you to take a little nibble. And ask the question and take a step. And take a little nibble and ask the question and take another step. I want you to to lean on me for direction. I want you to actually depend on me. You see, our very nature is a sin nature because you know what sin is? It is simply independence from God. That, that, that's what sin is when you sum it all up is I want to do my thing and do what I want to do and let God do whatever he want to do with whoever he want to do it with, but I want to do my thing. And sometimes my, my thing is good. It's coming to church every now and then or doing it to, to, to my pleasing, but I still like the rule and the charge that I have over it. But following Christ is totally different. It's, Lord, I submit myself to you. I am no longer independent. I am dependent on you. And I give myself voluntarily to depend on you. You know why? Because that's what trusting means. It means whatever you got for me, I completely trust you. And here I am. So where are you? Where are you? Now, I don't want you to boast and to say, I'm going to trust God and do everything that he says for the rest of my days. I just want you to submit to him and say, he is Lord and that he deserves the right to lead me and I'm going to walk by him. That's all. I'm going to walk by his direction. He has the right to tell me that, to order me, and I'm going to walk by his steps. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, as we close in a word of prayer. Lord, you are God. You are sovereign. You deserve this place in my life. I am the clay. You are the potter. I show how I trust in you by surrendering over to your purpose and to your will. Your will. Lead me and direct me. I will listen to you and I will obey you. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that gives me the ability to do that. I know I will disappoint you. I will get off path at times. But your Holy Spirit will bring and ring me back in. So help me So where are you? Are you submitting yourself and your heart right now to God? I pray that that will be your heart's desire. Thank you, Father, for hearts that are surrendering to you right now. We don't want to boast. It's not by our power. All we know is that we belong to you You are Lord, and we want to get back on that path of serving you, looking to you for direction and following you, obeying you, everything you tell us to do, anything you tell us to do. Help us as we interact with one another today to be able to discern when we're not listening, to discern how we can better listen, and how we just simply need to obey what you've already told us to do. Speak to our hearts even as we leave this place. We yield ourselves to you. And Father, we get ready for dinner. We fellowship together. We want that fellowship to be genuine. So as we share and as we talk, we're not afraid to say to each other that we've committed ourselves to following you. How can... I'll be of help to you and you be of help to me. We're not afraid to reveal what God has already told us so that we might be held accountable to that. Give us discernment, how to share, who to share. Just help us in this path. And Father, I right now pray for our food as we get ready to eat it. I pray that you bless our fellowship and our food. Bless our inspiration time as we go into it. We'll leave this this room right now. We'll assemble together, get in line for food right away. We'll start eating and fellowshipping, and we'll meet back here in this place. We pray, Lord, that you will continue to guide us. Give us sensitive hearts as we sing your songs, opening our hearts to you. We sang a song today, I give myself away. We just want to surrender to you, Lord. So bless this day and bless it all we have in store. Bless the food as we eat it in our fellowship time. In Jesus' name we pray. And let the church say, amen. All right, we are dismissed. We'll fellowship here. We'll go into the fellowship hall. And we'll begin the line there as soon as you get in there. Begin the line and we'll start you. In-